it blew up instantly. I had news reporters and media and anybody and everybody at the door again and in my my DMs online and everything. It was Everybody was trying to contact me to see what, what I had to say. And as an 11-year-old, I said, well, I don't know how you're going to fix it, but just fix it. You're the adults. <laughs> Seven years ago, Stella Bowles decided she wanted to go for a swim. She asked her mom if she could go to the river near their house, the La Have, but her mom said it was too dirty. This got the curious 11-year-old thinking, what made it so dirty and why was it so contaminated? I'm Jay Familietti, and on this episode of What About Water, we meet Stella Bowles. We'll ask her about that contamination, about the journey that took her from her hometown of Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, to the international stage as she drew attention to water pollution and pressed for a solution. Stella Bowles is a high school student, a Canadian environmentalist, author, and the youngest recipient of the Order of Nova Scotia. We've reached her at her home in Bridgewater. Stella, welcome to What About Water? Hi, so nice to see you. Thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. You have a fascinating story, I must say. Can you tell us how your story of being a water advocate began? Sure. So it all began back in 2015 when I was 11 years old. Um, It was around the time where I needed a grade six science fair project and our home's septic system had collapsed. So where I live, we don't have a big sewage treatment plant. We have to have our own individual holding tank for our sewage and gray water. So when ours collapsed, they're quite costly to install, my mother was told by our engineer, or by an engineer, that we had three months to fix this issue. So that night at the dinner table, my parents were discussing the expenses and how they were pretty pretty stressed. And my mom said, well, our neighbors don't have three months to fix their illegal straight pipes. And I chimed in as an 11-year-old little girl and said, well, mom, what's a straight pipe? What do you mean? And when she explained to me that it's a pipe from someone's toilet directly into the waterway, So anything you flush is going right into our beautiful river. I was appalled. I had so many questions and my parents really just couldn't answer them. They were saying, well, I don't know, it's dirty, so we don't swim in it and it's it's gross, but why don't they have to fix their illegal problem? And at that point, I just had so many questions for my parents and they contacted a local organization just to answer a couple of my questions. Like, is the river safe for swimming? So they led me to Dr. David Maxwell, who is a retired medical doctor um, who had been working to test the river for many, many years for fecal bacteria. And he had been posting his results and nobody was really listening to him. And he came over for tea one day and he said that the testing process, he could show me how to do it. As a family, we said, well, could this be a potential grade six science fair project? And he said, well, of course. So then we actually did all the testing right in my kitchen, and we found out that the river was a lot worse than anybody had anticipated. Was there any other kind of contamination that you found after you started doing testing? Yeah, well, at the time, we just focused on these illegal straight pipes, and that's what we kind of, we thought it would have been, but... I did a continuation of my project and we tested in our town 
and later learned that the town has a malfunctioning sewage treatment plant. So when it rains, all of the stormwater goes to the sewage treatment plant and it overflows. So all of the town's sewage and water from the stormwater drains, it all just overflows into the river. So that was a huge, huge problem, which is millions and millions of dollars out of my, out of my reach. But our town has informed me that they are slowly working on fixing this issue. But it's definitely a big, a big issue that is contributing to the high levels of fecal contamination in the river. Isn't it crazy that that we have these pipes that go straight from toilets to the river? I mean, that's that's nuts. It's it's really gross and disturbing. Well, it's, and it's extremely gross. <laughs> I think that I think that the thought out of sight, out of mind. If you put it under the carpet, you don't you don't see it anymore. And if nobody talks about it, it's not a problem. So I think that that's kind of what the main idea was, and it was. It's a cheaper option to have a straight pipe than to install a septic system. Mm-hmm. It's less costly, and septic systems are are definitely a lot of a lot of money. It's a big expense, but it's it also comes down to just doing what's right for for everybody. Yeah, you know, I, uh, unfortunately, there's always this conflict between you know your personal wallet and doing what's right, and often it's just cheaper to to kind of ignore it and keep doing the less expensive thing. So. I think it's great that that you brought this issue to to light. So what did people in town start to start to say when you exposed this? Yeah, so at the time I wanted a Facebook page and my mom said, "Well, you're 11 years old, Stella. You cannot have a Facebook page. We're not doing that." So we compromised and we put a really big sign in front of our road, in front of our home on the river, and it said this river is contaminated with fecal bacteria. And within the same evening, we had multiple neighbors at the door and other community members saying, like, what do you mean? Where, where'd the sun come from? What, What's going on? So your mom is an accomplice in this, which is awesome. She's my momager. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. That's fantastic because, you know, starting when you're 11, you're not going to do that on your own. So has she become a water advocate as well as your whole family, like a family of like a water family? I'd say definitely. I'd say we're all pretty involved. So then mom and I decided that we could co-run a Facebook page together where she would draft something and I'd approve it and and fix it up. We thought maybe 100 people from the community would follow my page and that would be, that would suffice. That would be enough for me as an 11-year-old and it blew up instantly. I had them. I had news reporters and media and anybody and everybody at the door again and in my my DMs online and everything. Was, everybody was trying to contact me to see what, what I had to say. And as an 11-year-old, I said, well, I don't know how you're going to fix it, but just fix it. You're the adults. <laughs> People that's, would ask me, well, how how would you fix this problem? And I'd say, I don't know. That's, right. that's in your... The pipes. You're the adults. You figure yeah. it out. But that is so crazy that an 11-year-old could generate that sort of uh, media frenzy. It must have been, was it hard for you? I mean, how did you feel back then? I don't think I actually understood fully what was going on. I didn't understand the power I had as a little girl. And I think I, without meaning to, because the government had, all three levels of government had contacted me within the same day. And I think that I had, without meaning to, cornered them, cornered the politicians. Because if you don't 
respond to a little girl, what's she going to do? She's 11. But if you do, then the people in the community are going to be upset because it took an 11-year-old girl for this to become a large issue. That's an incredible social dynamic, though, because like there are so many problems and adults are always screaming at each other about one problem or another. And it's really, really difficult for the message to kind of make it out of the noise. And so in your case, you were able to do that probably because you were a little girl. So I, I think it's awesome, but also sad that an 11-year-old could could really generate that kind of interest and have that kind of impact. So that's the, you know, interesting and exciting part. But the sad part is that, it, you know, it took an 11-year-old to motivate some some action. I think that's because I was shaming the adults into why aren't you fixing this problem when you're the adults and I shouldn't tell you that there's a problem that you should be dealing with. (laughs) So let's hold that thought for a minute. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about what happened next. Hey, I'm Jen, one of the producers here at What About Water? If you're enjoying Jay's conversation with Stella, why not leave us a review? That'll help other listeners find us. And if you want to know what we've got in store for our next season, stay tuned till the very end for a sneak peek. Okay, now back to Jay. We're talking with environmentalist and author Stella Bowles. Stella, after you raised the alarm, what happened to the Lahave? So after many, many council meetings and a lot of conferences and talking with the public, there was an announcement that there would be $15.7 million put towards cleaning up the river and getting rid of these illegal straight pipes so people would receive financial support to later pay back to install a septic system so that we can someday swim in the river safely. I've never raised $15.7 million to do anything, and you did it when you're 11. So um, I think you have a bright future, maybe as a politician. Have you thought about that at all? Yes. Uh, I think a politician is probably right up, like, number one things that I would love to do with my life someday. I would absolutely love to become a politician, although sometimes it can be a little scary seeing how women in politics are portrayed on the Internet, and I think that's a little, little deceiving, but... I think that being strong-willed and really good with the public, I think those are good things that, good qualities for a politician, so. I I agree, and someone who's coming at it from uh, such a strong foundation, right, such an honest foundation, I think can really be a difference maker. And also, you know, we need more women in politics. We need more smart young people in politics to to challenge the status quo. And and that's basically how you how you launched your your career. I mean, this project wasn't just my project, by all means. It was a project for my family and the community and everybody who wants a clean river. I guess people say it was my face of the campaign, but it really took the whole town and everybody coming together to say that this is an issue that we need to we need to be serious about we need to take on take on this issue and change some things. So you got this stuff going before, you know, before you got the 15.7 million, which is which is quite incredible. Were homeowners concerned, like thinking like, oh, my gosh, here's this little kid and now I have to go pay money to get rid of my straight pipe. And did you get any pushback from homeowners that were concerned about the cost? Personally, I never received any negativity. I had heard from from the grapevine that there were some people not too not too happy, but we did hold 
um, four community meetings, so two on each side of the river, for people to come out and learn more about this program. And that seemed to help a lot of people because I think a lot of people didn't realize that they were going to be receiving this financial support and they thought that they would have to pay all the money up front. And I can definitely see why that would be upsetting because it is a lot of money to install a septic system. So when you got the $15.7 million, I mean, if you can take us back in your head to that time, did you ever think, could you even process what that meant at your age? Did you ever think that you would be able to make such a difference? I mean, I have trouble thinking about that now at my age. I mean, how how was it? I think that my overall thought when I was, I think it was 13 or 14 when this had been announced, my first thought was, I'm going to get to swim in the river someday. It wasn't so much the money or how it was all going to be done. It was that someday my brother and I will be able to run right off right off the shore into the river and just swim around, and that'll be, that'll be so exciting. And I really don't think it was about the money for me or how the adults dealt with it. I just truly wanted to go in the river for a swim. So so I think everybody wants to know, has has that happened? Have you been able to do that? <laughs> Not quite yet. They're hoping oh! by 2023. There are 600 illegal pipes, straight pipes, oh. along the river. That's quite a few. So they've been changing 100 per year for six years. So 2023 will be the, the last year for that. COVID had a few minor setbacks, but we seem to be pretty on track. That's a pretty good clip. 100, 100 per year? You know, I watch the pace of, of things happening here in Saskatoon, construction stuff, and, and you know, replacing the old water main. It's it's slow going. It takes many years. So, so thanks for putting that in in perspective. So, do you think you're going to have some big party like when it <laughs> when it happens? Is there any community plan? I mean, I'd love to. I think that sure. would be fantastic. I think so too. Yeah, I I can't wait for for the day that we can all go in the river. It'll be a great moment, and for if I have kids someday, they'll be able to be in the river as well. And it'll just be it'll be great for everybody for many generations to come, hopefully. <laughs> well, it it's it's really special, Stella, that the river has someone looking out for it, someone as conscientious as you. So. Again, kudos, kudos to you. So since Thank you. this has happened, you've become the youngest person to receive the Order of Nova Scotia. What is that? Um, the Order of Nova Scotia, it is the highest honor for Nova Scotia. And Sidney Crosby and Ellie Black were the other two youngest recipients. And I think it is incredible to have something in common with an Olympian and an NHL hockey player. I also play hockey, so having something in common with Sidney Crosby is really, really cool. It's it's really amazing to see just how this all snowballed just from a grade six science fair project, which was really meant to just be a grade six science fair project. It's one of those things where you you do it, you make your little poster board, and you put it in your attic forever, and you, and that's that. But here I am with Order of Nova Scotia at 18 years old, and I think that's really hard to wrap my head around. <laughs> so th this was your sixth grade science project. How did you do? So I won my regional science fair and I got to go to Canada-wide science fair in grade seven. I was too young in grade six. So grade seven, I got to go and I came second. I had a silver medal. So that was a huge accomplishment. Um, yeah, I was super excited about that. 
<laughs> I I understand because I can see my own kids' science projects, right? They're sort of like everybody did the trifold on the cardboard, and you you know pin some of your you know put your whole scientific method up there, and and, yeah. and there it is. <laughs> but yours has really blossomed into something incredible, and you've also co-written a book. Can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. So there was a lady who. Summer's right down the road from me, actually. And she had written my mom and said, I'm an author and I'm looking to meet Stella and see if we could just talk and see if we could maybe make a book. So she came over for tea one day and we just had a conversation about anything and everything. And she wrote little notes in her in her book. And when she went back to Toronto for the, for the winter, um, we did a lot of Zoom calls and face-to-face online chats and just to kind of get to know me and she had created this amazing book of my life and I thought that was that was really neat to see how her process was and how she really embodied me as a character and how she even had some of my little expressions in there and now that book is in classrooms um, in Nova Scotia which is which is really cool to see see that I'm part of what kids are learning about so do you have any sense, like, do the sixth graders think you, like, with, if they see you around, like, do they think you're amazing? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes I have some kids that are like, look at Stella, and I wow. <laughs> kind of say, hey, but not not too often. <laughs> when I went to Sweden to train kids to test water over there, I had students come up to me and ask me for my autograph, and I thought that was wow. that was wild. Okay, okay, what now? Wait, let's, let's, let's get yeah. back to that one right there. You went to Sweden to teach kids how to test water. Yes. Yeah, so after I had, after the river had received the fifteen point seven million dollars, I wanted to keep going. So I received a grant, and we created more of my testing kits. And then I went to other locations, other schools around the province to start. And I had shown them how to do the how to do the testing. We provided a mentor, helped them find a mentor to help them with their with their testing because it can be kind of tedious. And then would help them create a platform to then share their their results, whether or not they were good or bad. And a lady reached out to me from Sweden and she said, Well, could you come over here and come to our conference and maybe teach a few schools here how to do water testing and because everybody over there or the majority they learn English it was it was really easy to communicate with other youth my age and kind of show everybody that science can be fun and it isn't just it isn't just the textbooks like at school and I thought it was really exciting to see other people smile not only in my own hometown but in a whole other country to see that like science can bring us all together. What what an incredible role model. Stella, what's your message to other kids about about what they can do? Can they make a difference? What can they do to protect water or just make a difference in general? Um, my main message is to ask questions. Even if you think it's a silly question, there are no there are no bad questions. My whole project started from what's a straight pipe and I think that's that's kind of inspiring. I find that at school we're taught to not really ask too many questions and just kind of sit there and and listen and learn, but I think that questions should be really encouraged. And if you do have have a cause that you want to fight for, find a mentor, ask a parent or a teacher at school, see who else can help you with more knowledge, Um, find yourself a Dr. Maxwell and stick to your facts and just go for it. You never know what could what could come out of something small. That's that's amazing advice. You know, the impact that you've had, Stella, geez, I mean, you were a, like a lightning rod. So really just incredible inspiration. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you.
Stella Bowles is a high school student, a Canadian environmentalist, and co-author of the book with Anne Laurel Carter, My River, Cleaning Up the LaHave River. And she joined us from her home in Nova Scotia. What started out as a school project turned into a major clean water effort for Stella Bowles. But it was that initial spark of an idea to look at the importance of water in her own backyard that started everything. Stella's main message to fellow young people is that wherever you live in the world, you can make a difference when it comes to water, too. water. The trees and plants need water and we also need water. And we also depend on plants for food and trees for shelter. My name is Aurelia. None of the nearby planets have the same environment as Earth. Plus, we can't evolve fast enough to live on another planet. We need water to survive. I turn off the tap when I'm brushing my teeth. I pour small glasses of water to drink. And I collect rainwater. Also, I don't pour chemicals down the sink. Adults need to talk to politicians because they have control over what's happening. They also need to teach their kids about water and listen to indigenous people's teachings. It shouldn't just be kids' job to protect water. Adults need to do the same too. My name is Tasman Stricker and I'm 12 years old. I think it would be selfish for a single species, humans, to destroy a resource that 8.7 million species depend on. I try to reduce my use of water. I reuse the water that I can. I buy secondhand clothes because uh, the manufacturer of clothes and the manufacturer of other things can use a lot of water. Water and humanity can be thought of as like Batman and Robin. One can't be found without the other and they both rely on each other. The humans need water to survive and water needs to be treated and protected properly by humans to last. Without water, everything would fall into a downward spiral and cause a chain reaction. What I do to protect water on a daily basis is to keep the tap off when brushing my teeth and during the summer I recycle reusable water to water plants. What grown-ups should be doing to protect water is spread more awareness on issues such as climate change, since it is more likely that people take adults more seriously when discussing an issue that impacts the whole world. We need to take action today as if there will be no tomorrow.
Those were the voices of five-year-old Rishi, eight-year-old Ashrath, 10-year-old Aurelia, 12-year-old Taz, and 13-year-old Shreya. Well, that's it for our last episode of season three. We started this season talking about having greater hope for adapting to our change in climate. We learned about different innovations in everything from agriculture to the economic sector and innovations in traditional knowledge too. Our journey took us from Canada's north to Eastern Africa. And through all these stories, it's really crystal clear that water really is the way in which we experience change in climate. But there are things we can be doing right now and into the future to make sure that we, as a global community, always have this precious resource. If you'd enjoyed this podcast, tune in this summer. We're going to be bringing back some of the show's favorite guests and stories from different seasons. You'll also want to follow us on social media at whataboutwater.org for the latest in water news and research. We want to hear from you. Do you know of a water story we should cover? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Mark your calendars. Season four of What About Water kicks off during World Water Week, the last week of August. We'll be joined by more compelling guests who will share their stories. You won't want to miss it. That's it for this episode of What About Water. We record and produce this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, the homeland of First Nations and Métis people. It's produced by the Walrus Lab and the Global Institute for Water Security at the University of Saskatchewan. For more resources, check out whataboutwater.org. Our crew here at What About Water is Mark Ferguson, Aaron Stevens, Laura McFarlane, Fred Rebin, Jesse Widow, Sean Ahmed, and Andrea Rowe. Our audio engineer is Wayne Giesbrecht, and our producers are Farah Akhtar and Jen Cannell. What About Water is available on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I'm Jay Famiglietti. Thanks for listening. Thank you.